Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Even when your physical life is over, you have the opportunity to bring life to others. For Elisha, it was a very literal experience. What will it be for you? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah wraps up the series, Elisha, the Double Blessed Prophet with biblical insights and life-giving lessons from Elisha's life and death. With the conclusion of his message, Elisha's final miracle, here's David. And thank you so much uh, for joining us. Before I do anything else, let me remind you again of the um, materials that are available on the life of Elisha. If you want to study it for yourself or join others in a group study, there's a beautiful study guide with all of the lessons, and there's a CD package with all of the teaching that we've done uh, on this series. You can get that from davidjeremiah.org. You might want to go there today and order this for yourself. Friends, we are... um, moving very close to the beginning of our rally season, and I feel uh, such um, obligation to remind you that we're going to be in Tampa, Florida on the 5th of October at the Yingling Center. We're going to be in Jacksonville, Florida on October the 7th at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. We're going to be in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center on October the 26th, and in Fort Worth, Texas at the Dickies Arena on October the 28th. I hope you'll be able to come and join us. You need a ticket. Tickets are available from davidjeremiah.org slash tour. Well, let's begin this final lesson on the life of Elisha, the double-blessed prophet. Let me encourage you to be fully devoted to the Lord. We'll never follow the Lord perfectly in this lifetime. We all know that. But we can wake up every morning with a new resolve to honor him in the assignments that he has given us to do. And with that commitment comes a great sense of purpose. I recommend it to you. Live your lives full out. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Well, Joash only struck the ground three times. So what happened? Well, we find out down in verse 25. Joash recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Haziel, the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Joahaz, his father, by war. Three times, Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. How many victories did he get? As many as he struck the ground. As many as he trusted God for. He only got three. And he lived only for a short time without more war because he left the enemy still standing when he could have defeated him. Don't ever do that with the enemy. Once you have him on the run, put him out of misery. Put him out. That's the principle of devotion. So that's Elisha's final message. Really interesting one. Visual aid message that you can't forget because now you've got that picture of the arrows in your mind. And if you see one of your brothers or sisters not doing what they should do, not living like they should live, just go up to them and say, you need to start firing your arrows. Get those arrows out of your quiver and start living for God. 
Now notice Elisha's final miracle. This is even more strange than his final message. We come to this final episode in Elisha's life, and it involves one final miracle. Verse 20. Then Elisha died, and he was buried. And groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders, so they hastily threw their corpse into the tomb of Elisha and ran. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. And I was just thinking, I'm glad I went in the cemetery that night. Amen? My, that must have been something to behold. Dead as a doornail when he's thrown in the hole, and now he jumps out because he touched the bones of Elisha. Now his second life-giving miracle is even more incredible than the first because it happens after he's dead. As a group of Israelites were burying their friend, they tried to get rid of their corpse. And the dead man touched Elisha and came to life. I don't know of any story in the Bible like that. And it's probably a story you've never heard before unless you've read diligently all the way through the scripture. But I want you to notice something that's really interesting. Here is Elisha still bringing life even after he died. What a thought. We might not be able to do what Elisha did, but we can outlive our lives and still influence others even after we're gone. Did you know that? It might be a letter that you leave behind for one of your children or grandchildren or a picture or a simple word that lodges in someone's mind. It might be a book that you write that's still on the shelves all over the world after you're not here anymore. But make no mistake about it, men and women, our words and our actions outlive us and have the ability to encourage others even when we are no longer around. I remember telling you earlier about the Bible that my parents gave me, the Schofield Reference Bible. It was the first study Bible I ever had as a kid. I got it for my 16th birthday. Believe it or not, I still have it. And I began to read that Bible, and it was a study Bible, like the Jeremiah study Bible, but it didn't have nearly as many notes. It was just, he'd read something, and maybe if you didn't understand it, there might be a little note at the bottom. And I remember how that Bible helped me. I carried it everywhere I went read it every time I could. And one day I was looking at the Bible just absentmindedly and read in the front cover that the Schofield Reference Bible was created by C.I. Schofield in the year 1909. This was 1950-something when I was reading it. So 50 years after he died, he was still ministering to my life. And I remember praying when I realized that recently that perhaps that could happen to the study Bible God allowed me to write in 2013. It would sure be a joy if somehow I could look down from heaven someday and see a whole bunch of people huddled over the Jeremiah study Bible trying to find out what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means to them. Listen to me. Live your life so that you keep on living after you're not living. Because of your influence in your life, in your children's lives, in your grandchildren's lives, your influence in the lives of your friends, 
the things that you create that you leave behind that will be a blessing to the generation yet to come. The man's resurrection, and believe it or not, in the Old Testament, is one of the most mysterious miracles in the Bible, that's for sure. Apparently, it was a unique one-time miracle to validate the life and ministry of Elisha because there is no record of Elisha's bones bringing anybody else to life. That was a one and done, and this man lived again because of Elisha. Now, that's the story. That's his message and his miracle. Three arrows and some bones. And before we finally close this all down, I want to just give you a couple of things to really help you remember what we're talking about. A word about deliverance. When Elisha spoke a word of deliverance to Joash, he was a king mired in sin, leading a sinful people, and yet God spoke a word of grace to him. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans. He said, When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me break that down for you. Here is what Paul was saying. It is possible to consider, it is reasonable, though something of a stretch, that someone might be willing to die for a good person. In an extreme case and under certain dire circumstances and for an exceptionally good person, you or I might possibly find it in our hearts to make such a sacrifice. But for the vilest of criminals, a person who had made no contribution to society and who seemed to delight in being an enemy of all that is good and right, would you die for that person? Your answer would probably be a quick and unmitigated hardly. And that's perfectly reasonable. But that's what Christ did. The Bible says, when we were without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were in denial of even the goodness of God, when there was nothing we had to offer God except our own rebellion, he reached down and delivered us. And we all have our stories. We know how that happened. And he's still in the business of doing that. A word about deliverance. Then a word about devotion. Secondly, in our story, King Joash failed to fully engage Elisha's promise. He had the opportunity to go all in, but he chose to go half in. Instead of giving it his all, he chose to shoot just three arrows. I want to encourage you this week to live wholeheartedly for the Lord. The Bible says a lot about being fully devoted. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Colossians 3, 23 and 24, my life verse, which I write in books and Bibles all over the world, is this. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31 puts it this way, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When we invest ourselves, men and women, wholeheartedly in our relationships, our work, 
our service. Our heads hit the pillow at night and we're exhausted, but it's a godly exhausted. When I go home on Sundays when we're having regular services all day and I've preached and talked to people, usually I go to sleep pretty well that night. I'm really tired, but I can't tell you what a good tired it is. There's no tired like the tired you have when you serve the Lord, when you use your energy for his honor and for his glory. I've got good news for you. True Christianity, courageous Christianity, the kind of Christianity that you read about in the life of Paul and Peter and thousands of other early Christians, this is not for wimps. It's not for the faint-hearted, the lukewarm, the moderately committed, or the occasional churchgoer. It's for the passionate It's for the ones with the courage to say, I believe God and I will dedicate my life to his purpose no matter what it costs. When you get to that place, when you're willing to throw everything you have on the table, God will begin to use you in a way you have never dreamed possible. A word about deliverance and a word about devotion. Finally, a word about destiny. Let's end where our story ends with resurrection and hope. The resurrection we talked about today points us forward to the resurrection that matters the most, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's the great hope of all of our lives. When United States Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell died in 1998, at the age of 90, James C. Goodloe spoke these words of hope at his funeral. He said, we rejoice in Christ's resurrection as the promise of our own, and as the promise of resurrection of those we love. Death pretends to be Lord over us. It's not. God alone is the Lord over our lives. Death tries to have the last word about who we are. It doesn't. God has plans for our lives that even death cannot destroy. Death struts its seeming great power, but its power is broken. To Christ belongs the victory. Though death will lay claim to all of us, it will not hold all of us. For we do not belong to death, we belong to God in life, we belong to God in death, and we continue to belong to God in that new life on the other side of death. Death is not the victor, God is the victor, and we overcome death through our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we pass from death to life. If you don't know Jesus, death has its hold on you. It has its power over you. And I know many people, according to the book of Hebrews, who spend all of their life in bondage because of their fear of death. Well, when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you're wanting to die. It just means you're not afraid anymore because you know that God has control of it all. That death isn't the end. Death is just a passageway into your presence with the Lord God forever. So as we close this series of messages, I want to ask this question. Are you in Christ? Have you put your trust in him? If you were to die tonight and stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You might say, I've been a good person, a good husband, a good father, a good wife. None of that matters when it comes to your entrance into heaven. The only answer that will allow you entrance into heaven is this, because I have put my trust completely in what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross for my sins. I hope that you have made that decision. 
And I want to tell you a story at the end, which is rather gruesome, and yet it's meant to help you understand how serious this decision is for you. If you do not receive Jesus Christ before you die, the Bible says you will go out into the darkness of night where there is no longer any hope. No hope. In the past, as I was growing up, we had a routine in our house. Every Sunday night, we'd come home from church, and at 9 o'clock, we would sit down in front of the television and watch the Alfred Hitchcock show. Now, I don't know how we ever got into that, but it was what we did. And it used to intrigue me how he would keep you in mystery right up to the very end. He was a gifted storyteller, and one of the stories that he told made an incredible impression on my mind, and I promise you, it will do the same for you. In one of his classic black-and-white television episodes, I saw it years ago, I've never forgotten it. There was the story of a wicked and violent woman who murdered an individual and was found guilty by the court and sentenced to life in prison. This woman was very angry, and in the courtroom she screamed at the judge. She told the judge that she didn't care where he sent her, she would escape and come back to haunt him someday. She was convicted of her crime and took that infamous bus ride to the prison. En route, she noticed something that was to become a part of her escape plan. She saw an old man, an inmate, covering up a grave outside the prison walls. She knew she could never escape prison unless she knew someone with the key to the gate. Well, this old inmate did have a key, for he assisted in the burial of those who died inside the prison. He not only buried them, he built their caskets in which they were buried, and his job included rolling the casket on an old grave cart, pushing it outside the walls, and lowering it into the hole and covering it with dirt. The old man was gone blind and needed cataract surgery, and the woman said that she would provide all the money he needed for surgery if he would help her escape. At first he refused, but she was a persuasive woman, and at last the two of them devised a plan. The next time she heard the tolling of the bell, which signaled the death of an inmate, she was to slip down to his workroom where he made caskets. She was to locate the casket in which the old man had placed the corpse and then, if you can imagine it, secretly slide herself into that casket next to the corpse and pull the top down tightly. Early the next morning, the old man would roll the casket out of the prison, lower it into the hole, dump a little dirt on it, Later, he would return, dig away the dirt, release the lid on the casket, and she would be free, having escaped from prison. So it happened that late one night, she heard the deep tolling of the bell. Someone had died, and this was her moment. She secretly slid off her cot and made her way down the eerie hallway. Looking into the darkened room, she made out the form of a casket, and without hesitation, she lifted the lid and slipped into the box. After squeezing in beside the corpse, she pulled the lid down tightly. Within a matter of hours, she could feel the wheels rolling as the workers made their way to the gravesite. She smiled as the casket was placed in the hole. She heard clumps of dirt hitting the top of the casket. Before long, she was sealed beneath the earth, still smiling. She had done it. Silence followed. She could hardly contain her excitement. 
But time began to drag. The next day came and passed into the night, and the old man didn't show up. She began to grow anxious. Where was he? What could possibly have gone wrong? In a moment of panic, she searched through her pockets and found a match. Lighting it, she glanced at the corpse beside her. It was the old man himself who had died, and her fate was sealed with his. Now, that story will keep you awake at night. But I want to ask you to do something for me. Just think about that story for a moment and think about that woman and the loss of her hope when she realized that the only one who could save her was dead beside her. Her hope was gone. And I just can't imagine. I don't even like to think about it. If you don't receive Jesus Christ before you die, five minutes into eternity you will be far more hopeless than that woman could ever have possibly been. Because when you die without Jesus Christ, your hope is gone. There's no second chance. You don't get to come back for a do-over. If you don't receive Jesus Christ before you die, you don't go to heaven. You go to hell. You go to a Christless eternity. And there's no way back. So think for a moment of the despair that woman felt in that awful moment and realize That will be your despair throughout the rest of eternity if you do not receive Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor, you're scaring me. I want to tell you something. If I could scare you into heaven, I'd do it in a minute. I want you to get a picture in your mind of what it is like to be so cavalier about your relationship with God that you keep pushing off these decisions. You don't make them. You don't trust him because you think you've got all the time in the world and you don't have the guarantee of one more minute in your life. But if you wait too long, if you wait until it's too late, there's no hope. There's no hope like there was no hope for that woman. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is your hope. He is the hope of eternity. Not the hope-so hope, but the no-so hope. And he stands waiting to give you eternal life if you'll just ask him, what are you waiting for? Why do you keep pushing this away? Why do you listen and say, I'll take care of it sometime? Take care of it right here. Hmm. And you know, during the summer sessions when I taught the study of Elisha outside, we had many people who came to Christ. It was a very, very... uh, productive time in the lives of people. I hope that will extend to you as you've listened to it uh, every day, and we've studied this man who walked with God. You know, God wants to bless us. That's the truth. He does. He wants to bless you, not for you to hoard the blessing for yourself, but God never blesses us for any other reason that, that we bless others. We become channels of the blessing of God to people, and I hope that's what your goal and purpose is as you ask God for the blessing in your life. Friends, in just a few days, a new book is going to be released in all the bookstores across this country. The book is called Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, We're still in the pre-sale session of the launch of this book, which means if you order the book from our website today, you can gain some pre-order blessings, like two audio messages that you can download into your own uh, 
file and two Bible studies on the rapture and the second coming. We want you to to get this book, and if you order it this way, you'll be among the first to receive it, and you'll get these other blessings, and you'll help us with the launch of this book into this uh, very hungry a culture in which we live. The book is about the issues we face. The subtitle of the book is How the Prophecies of Tomorrow Explain the Problems of Today. And in this book, there's a chapter on socialism, globalism, COVID-19, uh, the financial crisis, why there are so many people falling away from the truth, the spiritual famine that's happening in our country, end times people, and the city of Jerusalem. What's happening in Jerusalem uh, with our moving of the uh, embassy back there and the Abraham Accords, all of this in this new book, we've worked so diligently to present this in an understandable way so that we can see how the prophecies of tomorrow are helping us understand the problems of today. This book will be on sale for the first time in bookstores on October the 5th, but you can order your copy today, and uh, it will be sent right to your home as soon as it's released. Once again, I want to thank you for being with us through the series on Elisha. If you haven't already done so, be sure to order the materials on Elisha available from Turning Point. And don't forget to check your information about the rallies that are coming up We look forward to seeing many of you in just a few days. And now, uh, have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our 14-month calendar for 2022, Moving Toward Hope. Fill with scriptures and images to encourage your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin a short series of special messages from Dr. David Jeremiah here on Turning Point. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong Partners. A special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash Strong. You will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts, and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. 
join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 